Hey everybody, welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. I'm Damien Pizzanti. And I'm Katie Gillespie. So we've had a weird week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you guys had a weird week? I bet you have. I, I, yeah. Everyone's had a weird week. Um, so we, it is Wednesday as we are recording this. Um, we've had some delays in programming due to the uh, crazy weather event that we've had this last week. It's been a, uh, it's been. It's been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a red hot mess yeah. out there. I don't so. think I have to tell you guys if you've been outside at all in the last 10 days, but things have been a little bit weird. Yeah. I heard so on this other podcast I listened to, I heard this great descriptor that uh, I'm going to put the weather in it for this. For my example, I'm going to use the weather. Yeah. But the weather, the weather outside is a hotter mess than spaghetti in a dryer. A spaghetti in a clothes dryer. Oh, that'd be terrible. That's a hot mess. That is a hot mess. That's literally a hot mess. This is kind of a cold mess, though. We yeah. got a foot of snow about a week ago and mm-hmm. have been dealing with the repercussions of that for the past week. So Ice uh, everywhere. Ice everywhere. School has been closed. Mm-hmm. People have been at home. A lot of hourly employees haven't been getting paid because they yep. haven't been able to make it to work. Yep. So. And now with all this coming rain and hot temperatures we've got flooding in low elevations (laughs) it's 48 degrees out (laughs) screwed up roads which i think is something because you know just a couple days ago it was like in the 20s yeah some places i think even below that yeah so we have had some challenges uh getting the paper out to people but despite that um we uh uh the newsroom's been fully staffed this entire time we've still been working hard putting everything up online and uh, if you haven't got your papers yet, I think everybody. Start, I think we started delivering again. Yeah. But if we didn't, I'm sure you wound up with a stack of backed up news to read. Yeah, in what was that Friday that I got like a Wednesday, the Thursday, and the Friday paper? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, people got a lot of good reading material for yeah. the next few days, at least. Definitely. But so we had big plans to talk to a person who was at the what, the North Dakota access pipeline. Yeah. But you know, between her schedule, our schedule with the terrible weather. Uh, we're going to change Ice things up roads. a little bit. Yeah. God, the roads were so icy. Yeah. So uh, we're going to sit down and just talk about how screwed up things have been and kind of give you guys a recap of the highlights of the nasty weather this week. And then um, the venerable and awesome uh, Christine Silk, the spokeswoman for Ctran, she's going to sit down and talk with us and give us her perspective on what the public transit situation has been like. I bet you can figure it out without me telling you that it sucked. Well, and she's also going to talk to us about the Vine, yes. the beat, the bus rapid transit system that went online sort of um, about yeah. a week ago now. Yeah. Right? So it had its grand opening on January 8th and the big 60 foot buses have been out for two days. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, because they, they're articulated. Right? Is that what is articulated? Articulated. articulated. Yep. They're the articulated buses with the accordion in the middle of them. And you mm-hmm. can imagine if you're coming around a corner with a massive back end on it, and I yeah. mean, that's going to fishtail in weather like this. So they, those haven't been. Yeah, she's going to fill us in on um, everything about the Vine. If you guys haven't heard of it, or you, I'm sure you've seen it, but if you don't know fully how it works, she's going to give us a pretty good and I think interesting recap of it and its history because it's been an interesting couple years getting that started politically and yeah in terms of the construction and so well everybody that thought they could throw a roadblock in front of it has certainly tried to throw a roadblock in in front of it you know i mean 
if you want to look at this in terms of an achievement for C-Tran, I mean, I really think the achievement was on two fronts. One, it's an achievement bringing the first bus rapid transit system to southwest Washington mm-hmm. slash the, like northwest Oregon. Yeah. But also an achievement that they managed to uh, run the gauntlet of fierce and vocal opposition against this thing and still get the project done at the end of the day. Yeah. So anyway, stay tuned. So... I have a news flash for everybody. It's been a really nasty past couple days out there. We had freezing rain and, well, freezing rain warnings. The gorge had an avalanche. And, uh. Actually, what did they call it? A snowfall? <laughs> oh my God. So that is Wastat's euphemism for what is actually an avalanche. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand how you don't call it an avalanche when, like,. <laughs> Your whole highway is covered in snow. <laughs> yes. But what do I know? What do I know? Anyway, so we're going to sit and do a little bit of a recap about what Clark County endured in the last, what are we, are we going to talk about two days, three days, one day, overnight? Eight days. Eight days. The last, <laughs> we're going to talk about what Clark County went through in the last week in terms of like terrible road conditions and power outages and just general chaos that we all, chaos, chaos. <laughs> I love the word chaos that we experienced. So we're sitting here now with uh, Andy Matarisi, the Colombians, one of the Colombians breaking news reporters, emergency services reporters. Hey gang. <laughs> Do I have your title right? Yeah. Great, great. So, where should where where do you begin after a week like we just experienced? And by the way, if we sound a little punch drunk, I think it's because we are. Um, the newsroom has been hard at work for a week, um, and I think Damien, Andy, and myself probably on the weather front probably the most, especially you guys, because um, I've had a bunch of school stuff to deal with, and you guys have had weather stuff to deal with, and mm-hmm. and breaking news to deal with, and so mm-hmm. so if we sound a little weird, it's because we are. So mm-hmm. the snow started Tuesday night, right? It had been a <laughs> Uh, last Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and were you in the newsroom that night, or was yes. that a day? Okay, yeah. so, so, kind of walk us through. You know, as a storm, the significant is starting. Um, walk us through what that looks like from a reporting perspective, and like, how do we, how do we deal with that? I mean, that night it became, it was slow for me at least to get the picture like oh this is a real deal s- storm we're getting a lot more snowfall than it looks like we were going to get and that and that played out the next you know kind of the recap for the forecast like they it came out like oh yes it snowed a lot more than we thought it would what i think is amazing about that is uh the two big storm mornings that they had earlier in i think in december i mean there was that december snowfall but you know they had a couple freezing rain warnings and like epic snowstorm warnings that never materialized and then uh that's the following the saturday was pretty bad and then i remember them saying oh and it's probably going to snow on wednesday too and then we end up getting this just epic dump of snow Mm -hmm. yeah so they were right not only were they were right but they were really right yes It happens mm-hmm. every now and then. I mean, there was the, in, I want to say in December, there were a couple major significant storm warnings that kind of petered out. Mm-hmm. And whether or not those uh, people soured on whether they should listen or not come the last the last snowfall or the freezing rain last night, I don't know, it's hard to say, but people were pretty well behaved throughout the ice, the ice storm, it seems like. I wasn't hearing enormous impacts anywhere. 
Yeah. At least on this side of the river. The ice storm last night. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, that's true. This side of the river and west of like Camas. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Um I think people are especially vigilant right now after, you know, that huge snowstorm that we got last week, that any storm warnings that are coming through recently, I think people are probably taking them pretty seriously, just considering how much how chaotic it was in the uh, days that followed that really big snowstorm we had. Well, and Damien, you might know a little bit more about this, but isn't this notoriously, because the Columbia River, isn't this notoriously a difficult place to predict weather? I mean, aren't there some challenges because we have this massive body of water just a stone's throw? So in my conversations that I've had with the uh, Weather Service, uh, there are a couple of things at play here. One, like, yes, we are we are a low elevation area and near that huge body of water and bodies of water by nature make things a little bit warmer than <clears throat> other areas in the wintertime and then also make them cooler in the summertime. They're kind of a great equalizer. But then the thing that we have going on is we have all this warm air blowing in from the Pacific. At the same time, though, we have a bunch of cold air coming from the east dropping down into the gorge and blowing up it so that's why the gorge got all the epic terrible um ice storms that were going on and then what we have going on here is like some inversion uh that's especially in like areas that are closer to the mountains those pockets of warm air will sit there and then um or sit close to the ground and then maybe like the cold air will come up on top it's all really depending like i think last night is a good example one of our coworkers who lives north uh i think closer to battleground or north of camas uh she said at her house it was like 50 some degrees when she woke up this morning Whoa. which was yeah many degrees warmer than it was down here in vancouver yeah i've heard i've heard forecasters talk about similar difficulties and one one they mentioned to me once is uh, the last supposed storm that was going to come in December. They, you know, after it didn't, they sort of said, you know, here's what happened. We just can't, we don't have a lot of sensing equipment out in the Pacific Ocean, which is a lot of where some weather systems come in like that one was supposed to. And mm -hmm. they were just, <laughs> they didn't have all the information, so they couldn't, their models didn't totally work out right. So mm -hmm. they were just wrong. Mm-hmm. It seems in terms of like accidents or like roofs collapsing, like it seems in terms of like breaking news and emergency services and crime and what it seems like it's been a pretty quiet week. At least relative. <laughs> like relative to what was out there. I mean, weather related, um, I'd say, yeah, it's been pretty quiet. Um, there was that uh, fatal fire at the Sifton Plaza, but that wasn't necessarily connected to the weather. Um, I'm trying to think what else breaking has happened i mean there was there was a robbery this morning but i don't think not this morning this early early afternoon but i don't think that was because of the weather but yeah mm -hmm. weather, weather related breaking news mm -hmm. at least um for the bulk of clark county it's been pretty calm there haven't been i mean there was there was the one roof collapse a few down trees i haven't heard any significant like huge damage not even a lot of power outages yeah i mean i just Which really surprised me yeah yeah i think definitely a few thousand uh people did go without power that I, as far as i had checked last night that was recent um 
the what do they call it on Clark PUD? Like the recently restored power was yeah. right up around like the three thousand mark. You know, to tell you the truth, I think people are really like still feeling the effects of that last big storm since the roads are still so icy mm-hmm. that everybody's driving a lot slower. Everybody's a lot more reluctant to leave their houses. Uh, they're sticking to the roads that are in good shape, and so. Yeah, I think we've just we're kind of hit this stride where everybody's a little more hunkered down. The thing that really amazed me is there weren't nearly as many accidents as I was predicting, given all of the ice warnings and the ice that was out there in certain parts of the place. There were plenty. From what we gather, there was a lot of minor accidents, but nothing yet. I mean, I haven't heard really in the metro or any massive, huge like frightening accidents but a lot i mean from my own personal driving experience the past week and what i've seen on the road i'm there have i'm sure there have been plenty of minor fender benders and maybe bruises and whatnot katie you cover schools and things now tell us how many days have kids been without school and are parents losing their minds (laughs) so i think it's actually probably easier to answer how many days kids have been in school so in the last month since uh well today not included but uh Yesterday was the last, Tuesday was the last snow day. A month prior to that, between Christmas break, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, all this weather, kids have only been in school for six or seven days out of the last month, which is just crazy to me. Um, Evergreen Public School had, and Vancouver Public School um, had eight, uh, eight snow days, so which is pretty unprecedented. I mean, that's a big number. So they called off school yeah, did they call off school yesterday? Was there school yesterday? No. Was there school yesterday? No. 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 Okay. So. <clears throat> You know, the school districts have been very quick to either announce delays or even closures um, before storms have even hit this area. And there have been a few times where I've like thought to myself that this is like perfectly manageable, drivable, albeit maybe a little bit slower driving conditions, but the schools are all shutting down. Do you think the schools have been too quick to react in these storms or are they operating out of the abundance of caution and operating with the philosophy that announce a prevention is worth a pound of cure i think it's i think it's definitely that latter one i think it's easy to look back at december and say you know why did when we had had nothing or very little to say you know why did the schools close this is crazy but when you look at this last week for sure um i think that the school's quickness to cancel or delay school um you know i think that for the most part was a good call um the the you know there's issues with busing there's issues with transportation um i mean even just things like keeping the the sidewalks clear on campus and the uh, uh the the parking lots clear especially when you have teen drivers potentially at some of these at some of these campuses like you don't want to be dealing with that that's not a safe environment for kids so um, and the other thing too is that that it's easier for parents to find childcare if they know well in advance that school is going to be delayed or canceled so um, so the the call has to be made by 5 a.m. the morning of the school day so schools have crews out um, or bright and early every morning check in making sure nothing's crazy but um, but to, to go ahead and do it the night before, I think in, in most cases has been a good call by these school districts. So, And you got to think, too, I mean, outside of like Vancouver and Evergreen, some of these districts are getting into really dicey 
bus driving territory. Oh, yeah, like yeah. North Battleground mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Vancouver Public Schools today, Wednesday, activated its snow routes, and a lot of parents didn't even know that the district had snow routes because how often do you have to use those in Vancouver? So I think it's also easy to say, you know, well, other cities do this all the time, and other cities, you know, they can deal with this much snow. Like, the reality is, is this is still Vancouver. We do not have the resources for this type of weather. Um, you know, maybe there's knowledge to be taken in future, but. Well, I have to say, I mean, I grew up in a very snowy climate, I think, as did you. Uh-huh. And even just from my, like, out, outside newcomer perspective, the snow is completely different. It's so much wetter and so much denser. Yeah, yeah. And things get so much icier so much faster. And there's this there's this other strange thing that happens when, um, when snow gets cold enough, even or when the temperatures get cold enough, even if it's ice, it gets a whole new different type of grippiness and like friction to it that makes it drivable. But that doesn't happen out here. It doesn't get cold enough again to where it's like, you know, you you can actually gain traction off of it. It is just, you go from slick to slicker to slick again until finally it all melts. Yeah, I think uh, other people are working on this in the newsroom, but um, looking into, I'm curious what, this, uh, the county or the cities might do going forward as far as um, planning ahead or responding to other storms. Like, I grew up here. This doesn't happen. <laughs> These kinds of this kind of snowfall, this level of ice, it's not very common. So it's hard to plan around. It's hard to plan and budget around something that's that relatively rare. Mm-hmm. And it's only in the grand scheme of things that municipalities have to plan around kind of an inconvenience. Mm-hmm. So. I wonder, yeah, what kind of lessons they'll take away and what all the other reporters are finding. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, or, I mean, you know, Portland, um, their transportation commissioner oh. had a very interesting interview with OPB and, uh, where he um, came. I mean, it sounded like they are not at all prepared for this sort of thing. Yeah, if you didn't hear that, the transportation commissioner, it's a great interview. Um, they asked him uh, about plowing, and, and he, he said something like, oh, well, you know, I was told that we're supposed to leave an inch of snow on the ground because you get in a whole different set of problems when you scrape it down to bare pavement, and, you know, at least that inch of snow gives you a little bit more traction. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, I give them all the benefit of the doubt. Of course, this stuff doesn't yeah. Happen, you, know? <laughs> you know, I think my chief frustration as a citizen throughout this whole snowstorm has just been how god-awful the sidewalks have been and i get it it's the responsibility of the adjacent property owner to take care of it but then i see there are so many other sidewalks that are like not connected to the rest of the that you know um aren't connected to like somebody's property necessarily or they're kind of off in like a weird spot where it's like a long city block owned property and even in cases where people do shovel their sidewalks when the snow plows come through and they plow the streets all that cold frozen slush gets thrown right back on the sidewalk and freezes <laughs> and man my heart just goes out to anybody that you know is in a wheelchair or needs a walker or just has to get around on foot because like these these sidewalks are just horrible in so many places i could see a listener from like missoula or you know chicago or syracuse like yes yeah, that's, that's how it is that's the inning in the score <laughs> yeah to snow yeah well it- Will you do your shock jack impression, please? Okay. 
I, I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> no, you did it five minutes ago. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. It's DJ Big Red coming to you live from the studio with KD and the Damester. We're here live at the Columbian Newsroom. We're in the Volta back. We have racks on racks, stacks, stacks, the best racks on wax, silky smooth sounds of sonic salvation to salve the soul. It's usually where it ends. We're multi-talented here at the Columbian. I would say, like, hit it, Dame, and then you would play, you know, the hot track of the day. Like, and, like, the two big tapes would spin on the wall beside Yes. It. Yes. Perfect. Some 80s anthem yeah. would play. All right. Thanks, Andy. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. So now we are sitting down with Christine Silk, the spokeswoman for CTRAN, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about the Vine and um, how the grand opening has been going and how the buses have been affected by the weather. So first off, thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having totally me. Totally appreciate it. So the Vine launched, what, uh, 10 days ago at this point, right? Yeah, it did. January 8th. How's it going? I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> in some alternate universe where we um, are not living in Narnia, weather-wise, I think it's great. But uh, we've been on the road for two days, and then the, uh, the storm of 2017 hit, and we were forced to abandon operations until the ice and the snow are under control. Can you talk about that? Why is that, that the Vine, because the buses have been running, right? Fixed route buses, yes. Okay, so why can't the Vine run when? Um, they're exceedingly long buses, so as you guys know, uh, they're 20 feet longer than our standard fixed route bus, which is 40 feet. The articulated buses are 60 feet. And um, you get in the back of that vehicle, <laughs> and it can be a little bit, as you can imagine, hard to control uh, without proper and well-researched traction devices. So we're kind of in the middle of trying to figure that out. Um, that was the one thing you brought up to me when we talked just after they had to be pulled was these aren't yeah. normal buses that can have chains on them or like have the deplor deployable chains on them, right? Um, it's it's an interesting technology. Insta-chains aren't particularly suited to the articulated buses. That said, and we've been, you know, we've taken pains to point out, and people have pointed out to us that articulated buses do run in parts of the country where snow is a lot more common than it is here, for instance, Cleveland. They've got a very successful uh, BRT called the Health Line mm -hmm. that runs through downtown. And as you know, they get a lot more snow than we do. Um, so we're kind of in the process of, of doing that research, talking to Eugene with uh, the MX line to figure out how they handle these weather emergencies. It seems we might start to look at something called socks, which are devices that aren't chains, but they are traction devices that cover the tires. And, uh, you know, it's really, who would have known that we would have launched this in the middle of the biggest, you know, uh, winter weather emergency in 25 years? Well, and I think it's frustrating as it gets, you know, when you're eight days with, with services from all from all kinds of things not running the way you're used to. I mean, we still live in Western Washington and like this does not happen mm -hmm. on the regular on a regular basis. So right. there's a certain amount of give and take yeah, that has and to happen. I think you're right, Katie. And I mean, for instance, the Oregonian wrote a pretty scathing editorial this week. I don't know if you guys saw it about uh you know, Portland's response to this snow and ice. And we have not been able to get down to the transit mall with our express buses for seven days. Wow. Seven days. And those are normal fixed route buses. Those are not articulated right, buses. Right. So, and those are chained buses and not just Insta chains, the regular chains. So it's, 
things are tough all over, right? And we're just doing the best that we can. Sure. I mean, with that said, um, it's obviously you guys have had to make a few adjustments for like the fixed route services to keep the buses even going. Mm-hmm. Um, right. How's it been going in Vancouver? I mean, is, is the experience the same here as it's been for TriMet? Is, is it the same type of challenges? Well, I think that we face slightly different challenges because of the way that we choose to treat our roads and our streets. Um, it's There's been quite a bit of blowback, I think, for those who pay attention to these things regarding the salt issue mm-hmm. across the river. And uh, we don't necessarily face that same challenge. That said, I think we do a really good job here in Vancouver of clearing sidewalks and clearing streets, but it's still a mess down here. It mm-hmm. is horrible. Mm-hmm. I was down on Sunday and I was telling Damien, uh, it's like driving a mogul course. I mean, it's just been worse than I've ever seen it. So mm-hmm. if Vancouver is having a hard time keeping it under control mm-hmm. with all of the elements at our disposal that we use that they don't use in Portland, it's going to be a challenge. So in addition to the the articulated buses not running, you guys aren't using the Vine stops right now, right? Or are those back online? Well, so essentially what happens is this. People are congregating at the platforms um, what we're telling people is that the 40-foot the buses that we're using on the Vine alignment will stop at the nearest safe adjacent location to the platform. So we've been telling our operators people are obviously going to congregate at the platforms because they're sheltered from the elements. But once you get up there and you see folks are not standing you know, at the normal snowboarding area, you've got to give them time mm-hmm. to get from that shelter over to where you're going to stop and let them board. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, it's a constant flow of information from us to operations and operations to us, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that everybody's on the same page, definitely for a safety mm-hmm. perspective. That's our most important. It's not true everywhere, but uh, sort of to the point you were saying with like the roads and the sidewalks being in such rough shape. But mm-hmm. I saw so many places where like the city snow plows would plow the streets and push the snow right onto the sidewalks. And I saw several vine stops that were just like Covered. choked with yeah. like really nasty ice and snow. Yeah, it's been a real challenge. And I believe me, I've got nothing but, you know, props and respect for the folks who are clear on the city streets of this stuff. Sure. That said, snow's got to go somewhere and it's been cold, so it hasn't melted and it's been pushed up against our station platforms because I think everybody's kind of learning the way that this works. And Mm -hmm. so what that does, in essence, there's a structure built into every vine platform called a rub rail Mm -hmm. that helps guide this long vehicle into where it is supposed to park Mm -hmm. to allow passengers to embark and disembark and these rub rails are covered in ice Mm -hmm. they've got snow built up you can't see where they are you can't access them which makes it you know nigh on impossible for buses to navigate the actual uh, shelter area Mm -hmm. makes it rough Mm -hmm. so all of the two days that I guess one and three quarters days that the vine got to run. Uh, how did the launch go? Were people responding positively to it and seemed to be like adjusting to how the whole BRT concept works? They really were. It was really cool to see. I'm I'm so excited to have what I'm calling our second launch um, when this is all over because, you know, Monday was a little bit sticky. You know, as any launch, the first day of a a big new service like this is going to be right. Sure, but. Scott Patterson, the um, director of public affairs and planning, and I were talking and and he said he was just shocked at how smoothly it transitioned just from day one into day two. And that's what makes it such a bummer, you know, that we've had to take this really prolonged break from service because Mm -hmm. it's kind of restarting it all over again. But Mm -hmm. um, 
we've gotten really positive feedback on social media about it. Um, we've had a couple writers say just on day two that it shaved 20 minutes off their commute, which was wow. really gratifying to see, which is why we're doing this. So can you help uh, people understand what exactly about the Vine makes it uh, flow so much quicker than like the Route 4 and 44 that it replaced? Right. So a couple things are going to combine. First of all, just the structure of your vehicle. Uh, you can get nearly twice as many people on that 60-foot bus as you can on the 40-foot bus, right? Mm -hmm. um, as far as time savings, just the way that BRT works, if I could give you a really quick primer on it, if Please that do. would work. Please do. So I think the easiest way to describe what BRT is is to compare it with what you guys are used to seeing now, and that's a regular fixed route bus pulling up to a street-level stop. If somebody has a bike, they have to take the time to load the bike onto the front of the bus. Mm -hmm. If you're in a mobility device, uh, the bus has to kneel, the operator has to leave his or her seat, has to help you board, and then help you secure your, your wheelchair. All of that combines, uh, it, it takes time. And on fourth plane, it's by far our biggest uh, saturation point of folks with uh, disabilities. So we have a lot of wheelchair boardings, and there are quite a few bicycle boardings on that alignment too. Mm -hmm. mm. So um, it really makes a lot of sense that it's going to cut down on the time because you've got, rather than a kneeling bus, you have a ramp that deploys from the vehicle. Mm -hmm. If you're on a bike, if you've got a stroller, if you've got a walker, if you're in a wheelchair, you literally roll on and roll off. Mm. Uh, wheelchair users can um, secure their own device. It's far more easy than having an operator help you. The majority of our disabled customers want to be able to secure their own mo mobility devices. So mm -hmm. it's a win-win. And then of course there's the off-board fare payment, which is very similar to Max. You don't pay mm -hmm. as you board the bus. You don't show your driver a pass. You pay for your ticket at a ticket vending machine that's located on the platform. Or if a fair enforcement officer gets on your vehicle, you just show them your, your pass to show that you've paid. But all of those combine to shave time mm -hmm. off of the trip from Turtle Place to Vancouver Mall. And then those time savings, you know, really a simple way of saying it, but it's true, can be reinvested in the rest of the system. And we kind of reap those benefits throughout the entire system of CTRAN. Those little 20-second, yes. two-minute interruptions, they do add up. Yep. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of the the controversy that surrounded this project. You know, yeah. I was, a, I was a, <laughs> the Clark County government employee. I know. Sat in a lot of meetings where the B. Oh, I'm sorry, Clark County <laughs> government reporter. <laughs> it felt like that with yeah, as many hours I as I spent in those meetings. I would imagine. But, you know, would sit there and hear, you know, over yeah. and over again that the BRT was light rail light or that, you know, it was voted right. without, that it was approved without voter approval or whatever. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and kind of just give the overview of what some of the, the challenges were as you guys were trying to move this project forward? Well, you know, just a high level view on that. Um, this is the largest capital development project in CTRAN's history, $53 million. And um, I worked for a global engineering firm before I came to CTRAN, so I've been involved in the political process of a lot of far larger projects than this, um, even smaller projects than this that have had more controversy than the Vine. Um, 
projects like this don't occur with every single person coming at it from the same angle. They just right. don't. That's a perfect world. That's some sort of utopian transit <laughs> society. Uh, I don't know. It's one that I've never been a part of. So the controversy itself doesn't surprise me and really shouldn't surprise anybody. At the end of the day, I guess the way that I view it, and, and I think the way that most people view it at CTRAN, is that the the counselors and the folks who were very, very vocal about their opposition to the vine mm -hmm. are absolutely entitled to that opinion. Uh, counselors Medora and Milky, obviously, as you know, Katie, two of the largest political opponents to this project, are absolutely entitled to their opinion. We don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. uh, we think that they are incorrect in their assessments. We feel that they were incorrect in their characterization of this project. And we we firmly stand behind it. Was it easy to navigate that? No, it wasn't. Was it worth it in the end? Will it be worth it in the long run? Absolutely. We, we stand firmly behind the viability and the necessity of this project. So with the with the creation of the vine was this a project that was designed with um i mean obviously there was a lot of sh current and near-term need because this is such a heavily trafficked area yeah but i mean was the vine brought on with the idea that it's the benefits are really going to show like further down the road as like you know this area gets more developed and more populated yeah i think that they will show further down the road i mean i think that they will actually show up pretty soon as mm. far as increased ridership i mean it's Increased ridership and BRT go hand in hand. Almost any transit agency that's incorporated it into their system sees a spike in ridership. And I, I think that we're gonna see that on the Vine too. Uh, the great thing about that, as I mentioned earlier, are those time, fuel, maintenance, operations, savings that you can glean from a BRT system don't necessarily just have to be reinvested into the Vine. That we can we can reinvest that savings into, you know, any area of of our system that that needs it so I, I think that down the road we're gonna see huge benefits from this and possibly as we start to look at future alignments you know where there's the possibility of, of even more time and operation savings and and more financial savings as well well and it seems too as the city of Vancouver sort of put its eyes on fourth plane with the fourth plane forward project yeah. I mean mm -hmm. there's so much sort of collaboration that could be done there yes and, and and we're huge fans of fourth plane forward and we have worked fairly extensively with them uh, throughout this process big admirers of what they're trying to do on the corridor so this isn't going to be the only BRT that Vancouver uh, could possibly wind up getting, right? There's talk of even putting other BRT BRT routes around the city. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that is part of our 2030 plan. It's There's been money that's included in our biennial budget mm -hmm. uh, to continue taking a look at this. And um, I think that there's a lot of interest and, and frankly, a lot of necessity in some er areas of the county. And, and I think that um, it's no surprise that we think it's a, it's a perfect technology for this area. I think that it fits in really well with um, growth plans and the development patterns here. So yeah, I mean, I, I really think that the future is bright for BRT and Clark County, and I don't think that this is gonna be all that you're gonna see of it. Cool.
I wanted to tell you before we wrap up here. I just I saw this on on the Vancouver Reddit today, and I thought it was a whole thought it was hilarious. Somebody who posted a photo of their uh, of their Vine pass, and it, the caption is "Ever wondered what card goes beyond Amex Black?" <laughs> uh, just like the Amex Black card, millionaires, you can sit back and relax while your driver brings you to your destination. Exactly. So, I, I thought that love was nice. That. I thought that was that's sweet. my new screensaver. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's think that's all from us. So thanks so much, Chris. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. All right. So now we're going to turn to a different side of C-Tran, and this is uh, the Poetry Moves piece. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but I think it's pretty interesting. So every like six months or something like that, a new round of poets are chosen to display their art um, on the inside of the bus, which I think is pretty cool. Last summer, it was a bunch of little kids that had their poems up, and oh. this time it's a bunch of local adults. And um, I went to the poetry unveiling this Sunday at the, well, this last Sunday at the Vancouver Library. And everybody got up and read their poems, and then a handful of them were generous enough to uh, read them to us. Have you heard of this before, Katie? Yeah, we've written about this before, right? I think oh, so. really? Yeah, we have. That's news to me. Yeah, we've <laughs> <laughs> I think we've written about this before. Um, huh. But this, So these poems are already on display in the buses? They're on display, and um, I don't know which buses they're on or which routes they're on. And these five are obviously just five of many that are hanging up. But yeah, they're there now. You might even be able to check them out if you are commuting on C-Tran when you listen to this Friday morning. Cool. So we're going to hear from Desiree, Desiree Wright, Bill Lucking, Gwendolyn Morgan, Alex Vigu, and Jennifer Pruitt-Walter. So check it out. How do you love? I held her responsible my whole life, hating her choices, hating her words, Never able to forgive, only let go. Then, I saw her as more than blame, as more than failure, as more than the mother she never was. She's just a woman, like me, making her way in a world not meant for her to make it in. Just a woman, and nothing more. Subsequent layers of existence. We exist in a present that is fleetingly fast, swiftly moving our now towards a vanishing past. Too soon our new present too swiftly arrives, replacing the place where our present now lies. Subsequent presents come sliding on in and are quickly supplanted again and again. Hope embossed. Each one of us has an owl sparrow, crow, an ordinary bird that follows us around our home, Kali, Ganesh, and a host of gods and goddesses step over the hearth. We pick up maple seed pods, hope embossed in several languages, yellow swallowtail, butterfly wings, 10,000 things. Camilla. She lets her son dress up in leftover pastels, does not scorn him when he twirls in a dress, only laughs and notes the skirt's shape as it swirls. An opening flower, pink of a cheek, her own and his. Her father taught her how to garden so that she may cultivate a rare child. 
calling. The earth is calling, even if you don't listen. Get lost in nature, and you will find yourself. All right, so that's our show. Shazam. Shazam. Well, I hope everybody's staying warm and dry and safe uh, and as cozy. the and cozy as things continue to melt out there. Yeah, um, we're in for what sounds like quite a bit of rain ahead of us. So, hey, we're back to that same old Southwest Washington winters. I know. I never thought I would be so excited it. about rain. I never thought I would be this excited about this much rain. But... I was a lot more excited about the cold and the snow. Yeah. I was really enjoying that. Yeah, that's your that's your. Montana blood. It's true. It's true. And, you know, this is the first time I have been in a city with, like, lasting snow on the ground in, like, five or six years. Yeah, same. I really had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm not enjoying is the giant slush pit that is uh, urban and suburban southwest Washington right nope, now. Nope, nope. Not yeah. liking that one. Yeah, bit. we got to get through this so we can just, just be wet or just be snowy, not both. Yep, I'm sick of it. True. You know what? You know what happened when because the rain here, all that ice that's outside, it like cleaned off all the ice. So all yeah, the like little bits great. of dirt that, <laughs> all the dirt and like a little bit of snow. Like I went to go get coffee today. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a trek. It was yeah. terrifying. Totally, because um, all the ice is like clean and smooth, and mm-hmm. that means mm-hmm. massive slippage. Yeah, so. absolutely. You know, so I wanted to ask you: Have you ridden the vine yet? Did you get the chance to ride it on the two days? It on was the up two and days, the day and three quarters, I didn't. And you know what? I'm not really. I was actually looking into it, um, mm-hmm. and and I live so far out in uh, unincorporated Clark County that mm-hmm. there's. I'm probably just not going to really get. A logical opportunity to do so but mm-hmm. so i had in fairness i had never ridden c-trans service uh prior to the day i went out and rode the vine but mm-hmm. i was impressed with it when i lived in seattle i was very public transit dependent oh this is the first time well that's not true i didn't when i lived in reading i didn't use public transit but mm-hmm. um anywhere i've ever lived prior to that always been very public transit oriented well, i was really impressed with this because even though like Vancouver gets such a bad rap as, you know, being a pretty backwards place, mm-hmm. uh, that, that whole Van Tucky thing. Uh, that service, it felt like real, genuine, big city service. It really felt like a step up to, uh, frankly, I think what I would expect from a city this size. Cool. So, good, good on deal. C-Tran for it. Yeah. So you can subscribe to Clark Talks on iTunes. You can also check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and every Thursday the podcast is posted on the homepage of Columbian.com. Mm-hmm. And reach out to us if you want to let us know how we're doing. We are at podcast at Columbian.com. Yep. Thanks. <laughs>